Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Porter on 970 WDAY AM and 970, uh, 93.1 FM. We, uh, we got a, we got an interesting show coming up. It's President Donald Trump visiting the state of North Dakota later this week. Well, tomorrow, actually. Uh, he's flying into uh, Bismarck. He'll be at a refinery in Mandan. He's going to talk about tax reform. And here to talk with us about tax reform is James P. Pinkerton. Uh, you may recognize him. He is a, a contributor to the Fox News Channel, a regular panelist on the Fox News Watch show, the highest rate- rated media critique show on television. Uh, in addition, he writes regularly for foxnews.com. He'll be joining us to talk about tax reform and what President Trump could or, or or maybe should be proposing. We'll talk with him about that later in the program. Um, Nolan, how are you? How was your uh, holiday weekend? It was good. To, it was good. Uh, got the day off yesterday, so I sucked that for all it's worth. Uh, how about you? What did you? What was the weekend uh, like we, up in your neck of the woods? Know, we hung around the house. It was yeah. really windy. It yeah, was really windy. It was weekend. chilly but here other, yesterday. It was really nice yeah. on the weekend. Chilly but, here today. Yeah, but uh, you know we had a. Uh, you know, we had a good weekend. Just kind of hung out, chilled yeah. out. I uh, I wanted to spend the first part of the show talking, first of all, about a couple of letters to the editor uh, that that are in the Fargo Forum right now. Uh, one taking me to task for my Sunday column, and, and really, I, I suppose what I should start with is uh, is an apology. I, I I think everybody who writes for a living, and and I write a lot for the public between the blog and the columns and everything else. I put a lot of content out there, and I make mistakes. I make typos. I spell things wrong sometimes. Um, I'm a human being. I don't like that I make mistakes, but I make them. But I, I made a particularly egregious one in my Sunday column. If you read it, it, it was sort of about unity and what well, wasn't sort of about. It was about unity and, and sometimes the world not being as cynical as, as the one that, that we see through the lens of the newspaper opinion page or cable news or social media or whatever. I, I just don't think in the real world we are as divided as it maybe seems when you turn on Fox News or MSNBC or read Facebook or, or what have you. Uh, and as, as an example, I, I cited a couple of examples in, in the column, and, and one of them was the Savannah Grey Wind murder. Um, and, and my point was that the way that the Fargo-Moorhead community came together uh, first to, to search for Savannah Grey Wind and, and then ultimately to, to, to mourn her, her, her tragic, tragic death, um, was an example of this unity. You know, at, at, at a time when, when supposedly we're on the verge, verge of race war, if, if you would watch, believe some of the, the cable news commentators, um, the Fargo-Moorhead community came together for Savannah. Now, the problem is in my column, I called her Samantha, and that was my mistake. I'm not sure why I do it. I think people who know me personally, I have a little quirk sometimes where I get names like that wrong. I'm not excusing the error. I made the error. My editors missed the error. It was a mistake. My uh, my next column coming out has a correction and apology. I also just posted an apology on the blog. Certainly wasn't my intent. No slight intended. It was just I made a mistake. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. Former columnist uh, James Farragut uh, wrote a letter, and he called my mistake, quote, unforgivable. Here's here's an excerpt from his letter to the editor. He writes, uh, and, and he's, he's addressing me directly, I guess. He writes, uh, what you've shown me in your attempt at transparency is that you are a repulsive opportunist who attempted to hook your, quote, brand on the backs of a family's heartbreaking human uh, tragedy. 
I can't think of a more careless, hurtful, insulting act of journalism. I don't know if your ego will your ego will allow you to regret will allow you to feel regret for this unassailable, egregious mistake or not. I hope you'll have the guts to own up to this in the form of a mea culpa, and I do hope uh, the that the LaFontaine Greywin family in their mourning will have the grace to forgive you. I can't. I, I read that, and I was just kind of like, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'm certainly guilty of making a mistake, and if, if a mea culpa is called for, and it certainly is because I did make a mistake, uh, then you've got it. I'm sorry. I, I messed up, but... To call this unforgivable, I, I I thought the letter was sort of interesting in what it reveals, I think, about my larger point. I, I, I think so many, and it's it's been interesting because I, you know, I've I posted an apology for the mistake on on uh, on the blog, and then I linked to it from from Facebook. And it's it's funny to me how people's reaction to it, so many of it just hinges on their perception of my politics. Right. So obviously I'm I'm a provocative guy. I'm a controversial guy. Uh, I'm a, certainly a right of center guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a conservative um, libertarian slash conservative, I, I guess you would say. And so. People who are inclined to agree with me are just sort of, oh, you know, we all make mistakes and, you know, you know, it's it's not that big of a deal. People not inclined to agree with me, like Mr. Farragut, are. You know, I, I, I guess ready to, to they want to, you know, they want a public flogging or something, I guess. It's it's interesting to me that, that that's how the reaction breaks down. And and to me, again, I, I think it's another example of the way we, we divide one another. Right. Like when we get into this political realm, when it's when it's on the newspaper editorial page or it's it's on social media or it's on cable news, we just feel like we have to do. This thing where we divide each other up into teams, right? Like, okay, so I, I guess I'm playing for the right-wing team, and Mr. Farragut perceives himself as being on the left-wing team, and because I'm a member of the opposing team, he's got to rake me over the coals. It's it's interesting to me that that's how it's breaking down, because I'm, I'm reading all these responses on Facebook. I'm reading the responses on on Twitter and, and certainly my emails, and, and I know – the political predilections of a lot of the people weighing in, or, or I, I could certainly infer them from some of the other posts and comments that they made, and it's that's how it's breaking down. Now, listen, I, I made a mistake, and, and there's no question about that. I should have got her name right. It, it was an honest mistake. I meant no slight by it. I, I, I you know, I, it was it was just something. I the two names sound similar. I wrote one and meant the other. My mistake, but. You know, to to apply that there was something nefarious about this, or that it was it was opportunism. I mean, really, if anybody's guilty of the opera of opportunism, it's it's people who try to make partisan political points over an error like that. As if anybody who writes for the public hasn't been guilty of of making a typo or transposing names or, or misspelling a name or what have you. Uh, you know, mistakes happen. Um, you know, and I'm I'm more more than happy to to. Uh, to own up to mine, and I'm I'm not certainly not happy that I made that mistake. But I was a little bit happy, Nolan, in that my thesis of my column was was so quickly borne out by by my critics. <laughs> it outweighed it outweighed the uh, the your thesis out was outweighed by the you know the simple mistake that you made. And I just I guess uh, they missed they missed the point. Yeah, that uh, you know I don't know. 
I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that's something I, I've really – how divided we all are now. Uh, do you notice this, too? Let's let's ask this question going into the break. Do you notice this, too, where people, their reactions to other things, their reactions to other people that, that, that aren't even necessarily political become tainted by their politics? Because it's a mistake made by a liberal or a mistake made by a conservative, the reaction sort of breaks down – along political lines conservatives tend to be more forgiving of other conservatives and less uh less forgiving of of people who are not conservative and and vice versa do you notice this as well 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com love to hear what you think we'll be back on the rob report right after this don't go away another year Welcome back. Rob Report on 970 WDAY, AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, another letter to the editor I, that caught my eye today. Um, this one was written by uh, Greg Hodor. Right? Am I pronouncing that right? I'm not sure. Um, see, I'm, tell you, I'm terrible with these names, Nolan. It's it's I a curse, guess, you know. I don't know. I do, I I don't do know. the same thing. All right. So, Greg, uh, he's, he's a former chairman of the North Dakota Democratic Party, um, and he writes that uh, he, he's upset about Senator Heidi Heitkamp welcoming Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, to the state, which he did last week. She issued a, a press release from her office and, and basically welcomed him to the, to the state, was not critical of him at all. Uh, certainly not the sort of warm you know the sort of welcome you would expect trump to get from a democrat but high camp's got certain political realities in front of her uh not the least of which is the fact that she faces a tough re-election bid in 2018 so uh, mr holder uh who is identified as a former chairman of the north Dakota democratic party in uh, his letter to the editor writes uh, okay we all agree with the u.s senator heidi high camp farmers and the owners of agriculture mega businesses governor doug burgum and harold ham are the backbone of North Dakota's economy. I got that, but does she actually feel President Donald Trump coming to Bismarck is a good thing? Please, Senator, don't get filmed getting off Air Force One behind Trump, Senator John Hoven, and Representative Kevin Kramer. And don't give him a big hug to welcome him here on our behalf. I I, I think it's so interesting. I I think the political dynamics going on in the North Dakota Democratic Party right now are are so, so fascinating. And and really, Heitkamp's the way she's having to deal with this visit from President Donald Trump is a microcosm for the whole thing. Because, you know, as, as I've said before, as I've written on the blog, as I've written in columns, as I've said on the show, the, the moderates have left the North Dakota Democratic Party, at least for now. They're not in the party anymore. They're either voting independent or, or they're, they're Republican. They're not in the Democratic Party anymore. The problem is, is that Heitkamp, the progressive base, that left-wing base, has grown so tiny in North Dakota. That's all that's left of the Democratic Party. Heitkamp has to go far outside the party to get reelected. Senator Heidi Heitkamp is going to need a lot of votes from moderates and, and probably even more so a lot of votes from out-and-out Republicans in order to get reelected in this state. And she's not going to do that campaigning against President Donald Trump. She's just not. And that's why she's welcoming him here into the state. Now, the problem is Democrats don't like it. They hate it. 
the base of Senator Heitkamp's own political party, they hate Donald Trump. And so what's happening here is, is, is Heitkamp has to sort of ignore them. She has to ignore her own party. She has to ignore her progressive base and do what she needs to do to get elected, which, which by the way, undermines this whole image of this, this very authentic, very salt-of-the-earth, pragmatic centrist that she cultivates so carefully. It undermines it because what she comes off looking at is extremely cal- calculating, extremely political, and she can't afford to look those things. Uh, by the way, uh, my uh, my colleague, uh, Forum News Service reporter John Hageman, uh, writing on Twitter, pending any critical votes of the Senate, Senator Heidi Heitkamp will join uh, POTUS in nor- in for his North Dakota visit. Uh, Kevin Kramer uh, told me this. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Congressman Kevin Kramer uh, saying the same thing. So Heitkamp is going to be here in the state with Donald Trump. And I've, I've even heard from some reliable sources, although I can't confirm this, that Senator Heitkamp is actually going to be flying with Donald Trump in Air Force One. So this this fear that Greg Hodor has that Senator Heitkamp is going to be getting off the plane with Donald Trump and Bismarck, it may happen. I mean, that may actually be the case. Where Senator Heitkamp is going to fly into the state with the president. She's going to stand there. She's going to be in the receiving line. She's going to be shaking his hand. She's going to be doing all that typical glad handing we see from politicians at photo ops like this. Now, my question is, Heitkamp needs to gain a lot of Republican voters. She needs to gain a lot of moderate voters. But to do that, she's going to have to alienate, to a degree, Democratic voters. What does that mean for her reelection chances? Because remember, the margin, her margin of victory in 2012 was a few thousand votes. Very, very small margin of victory. Does she risk losing too many Democratic voters in order to switch over and, and, and get those Republican or moderate voters? I, I don't know, but that's got to be a calculus that she's doing. And maybe she's thinking, well, you know, Democrats don't have anything else to vote for. Of course they're going to show up and vote for her. But I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a tough position to be in. It's a tough balancing act to walk. And it's not going to get any easier for her because increasingly Democrats, prominent Democrats, former party leaders, former party uh, uh, chairman, they're speaking out. The left wing of, of Senator Heitkamp's party is speaking out and they're going to be an obstacle. They're going to be a pain for her. This is the Bernie Sanders wing of the party. That's all that's left of the Democratic Party because everybody else that was in the North Dakota Democratic Party has fled. It's moved too far to the left. So I don't I don't know. I mean, Heitkamp, I, I, I think if you look at Senator Heitkamp independently, she's a very, on her own, is a very strong candidate, a very skilled politician. She's formidable on her own. You know, the problem is, is the rest of her party is, is decimated to the point of irrelevance. I mean, there really isn't a Democratic Party. There is basically just Senator Heidi Heitkamp's campaign. And that's it. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Um, so I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. But I would be watching very, very carefully if you're watching any video of Trump's arrival Watch how Senator Heitkamp reacts to him. I mean, is she going to be warm? Is she going to give a hug? Is it going to be a handshake? I mean, I I, I think the body. I don't normally 
you know, sometimes like on cable news and that people get really drippy in there. They're like, you know, trying to read body language and everything. I don't normally put a lot of stock in that, but I think in this situation, I think the stakes are kind of high for Senator Heitkamp. And I have no doubt that she's probably sitting around thinking how she's going to handle all that. How is she, if Trump comes in for a hug, how is she going to handle that? And Trump is probably, on the other hand, thinking the same thing, thinking, well, you know, if I give her a hug, what a great photo op. What a, what a divisive thing that would be for the North Dakota Democrats. It would drive a wedge right down the center of their party at a time when they can't afford fracture. They're not big enough. They, they can't afford to be fractured. They can't afford to be divided. And by the way, what does all this mean if, if Democrats are so dispirited, right? Because the idea is the Democrats finally have someone on the statewide ballot who can win a statewide election in Heidi Heitkamp, right? North Dakota Democrats finally have that. They haven't. In past elections, you know, last cycle, they didn't have anybody get even 30% of the vote. That's how bad things so, – so now you have somebody who can actually win on the statewide ballot, but if she is so depressing for Democrats because she has to move so far to the right that they end up just staying home, maybe Senator Heitkamp still wins, but what does that mean for every other Democrat on the ballot? What does that mean for all those down-ticket Democrats, the Democrats who are going to be running for attorney general, the Democrats who are going to be running for you know all the offices that are going to be on the statewide ballot this cycle? Nothing good. Anyway, speaking about uh, Donald Trump's visit, James Pinkerton is going to be on the program with me. He's a Fox News uh, guy. You've probably seen him. Uh, We're going to talk about what tax reform President Trump could propose. Love to hear from you. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Look away. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Your call in numbers 701 293 9000, 888 970 9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Everyone's excited, or at least everybody has, a, has an opinion. I guess some are less enthusiastic than others. But President Donald Trump visiting the Bismarck Mandan area tomorrow. Uh, ostensibly, the, the, you know, and obviously a lot of times his speeches cover a, a lot of different things, but. Uh, the the topic is tax reform, and so here to talk with me about that is Jim Pinkerton. He is co-chair of the Rate Coalition, a bipartisan organization dedicated to fostering innovation, competitiveness, and job growth by lowering the corporate tax rate in an equitable manner. Uh, he's a contributor to the Fox News Channel, a regular panis, panelist on the Fox News Watch Show, the highest-rated media critique show on television. Uh, and he also writes regularly for foxnews.com. Mr. Pinkerton, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for having I'm, me. I, I'm assuming that, that you want uh, President Trump to, to say that he's going to lower the, the corporate tax rate. <clears throat> well, he, he already has. Uh, uh, that's been the administration's position for quite some time. Uh, the rate is currently 35%, which is the highest in the world. Um, and we believe, and the, the rate coalition, that is, and joined by the president and the leadership in both chambers of Congress, uh, believe that that rate is is counterproductive and destructive and therefore needs to be reduced to something akin to the international average, which is more about more like 23 percent. So that's a, a big drop from 35 to 23. And in fact, if you add in the state income tax rates, 
the, the U.S. rate is even higher, more like 39 or 40. So that's a, a pretty significant competitive disadvantage uh, for poor American companies. How do we? How does he sell this politically, though? Because I, I mean, we've we've certainly had this debate about the corporate tax rate before, and I think the problem is. The minute you start talking about cutting rates for corporations, we get that sort of, you know, very populist response where it's, you know, evil corporations and, and tax cuts for, for big evil corporations that, that don't need it. I mean, and I'm not endorsing that point of view. I don't agree with that point of view. I agree with you. The rates ought to come down. But that's usually the political reaction to this. How does Trump get past that? Well, part of it is to point to our members of the rate coalition, which is nearly three dozen companies and associations, including uh, the National Retail Federation, which is hundreds of thousands of small businesses around the country uh, that that might be a a corporation and therefore get stuck paying the corporate rate. So uh, to say big corporations is one thing, although big corporations do create something on the order of, you know, 40 million jobs in this country. Uh, uh, but even the, the littlest corporation, the smallest mom and pop operation, is still you know somebody's neighbor and somebody's supplier and somebody's pet store or music store or grocery store or whatever the case, case might be. And again, we just have to ask ourselves if we're worried about slow economic growth in the United States and, and stagnant wages and all the other ills that come from a, a, a weak economy. And we see that the economic job numbers, while encouraging, are still somewhat soft. Uh, we have to start looking around at what other countries have been doing successfully, to, including Canada, which is just a stone's throw away from you all out there in, in North Dakota. Uh, you know, their rate is a good 15 points lower than ours. And what does that say to a, a business trying to decide uh, whether to, you know, locate in, 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 in Bismarck or, or, or Winnipeg? I mean, it, it, the, the corporate rate makes a difference. Uh, studies all show that. And the fact that other countries, most notably Ireland, uh, have cut their corporate rate to 12 and a half uh, should tell you something about what smart governments attuned to their own economic needs are seeing as what has to be done to promote the maximum well-being of their own people. So I, I, ideally, when, when President Trump and I, I know he's he's spoken about you know reducing the corporate tax rate as just as as a as a concept, but the tax code is very very complicated, and so when it comes to actually putting some meat on these bones, when it comes to to, to the rubber hitting the road, what do you want to hear out of the president's mouth? I mean, what what, what do you want him to actually propose in terms of policy? Well, what we'd like to see happen is that the rate get down. Uh, uh, again, we, we, the president has proposed uh, pushing the corporate rate down to 15, which would be, which would be dynamite. Uh, uh, the congressional leadership is more in the 20 to 25 uh, zone, which would also be fine. Uh, what, and even, even Barack Obama, uh, uh, going back a ways, uh, had supported uh, cutting the corporate rate to 28. So... I think there's been a rather substantial, uh, uh, I won't say consensus, but a, a lot of bipartisan figures, including hopefully uh, uh, Senator Heitkamp uh, out there, saying, look, this, this is a problem. It, it, it affects 
companies that, that are based in America and make their money in America and want to stay in America and not be part of some corporate inversion that, that sends them to Ireland or England or someplace. And so if you look at a, another rate member like Walmart, you say, okay, what is it that's going to help make Walmart stay and flourish and pay its employers, employees more and, and expand further and compete with, you know, uh, uh, other companies around the world. What's the answer to that? And one of the tools that's available to Washington uh, is tax policy. And so we think that the sort of success that, you know, President Reagan had in the 80s uh, with tax cuts and tax reform is the model for what we need today. 701-293-9000 if you want to join in. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, what about the people? I mean, there are going to be people who are going to say that this is not that important. I mean, you just mentioned Walmart, you know, and, and talking about where they're going to locate. Well, Walmart's not going to move out of the United States. I mean, they, they want to be here. They want to sell into our market. Uh, and, and they're just going to pass whatever that corporate tax rate is along to the customers anyway. So, you know, what, what about people who say you, your argument is bogus because these companies aren't leaving anyway? Well, you might be right, uh, in which case they simply lose to other companies that, that have the benefit of a lower rate. You see, we've all been reading about this issue of corporate inversion, which means that a company <clears throat> based in the United States uh, all of a sudden declares that for tax purposes is now a citizen of Ireland or London or, or the U.K. Or, or, or something. So, sure, if you want uh, American companies to get bought up by foreign companies, there's no shortage of big uh, foreign uh, vendors, you know, Aldi and Lidl and so on and so on from Germany alone, uh, Tesco from the U.K., that, that could come here and buy us up. And if, you, if we want uh, our corporate leadership to be headquartered in London or Berlin, you know, that, that's not – Desirable. I mean, it, it's it's you, a, a country wants to be the most attractive place for business to yeah. not only operate but also have its headquarters and have all the benefits and prestige that come to a locale from having a, a, a corporate headquarters in in their uh, jurisdiction. And so, if you want those benefits to happen to accrue to America as opposed to some other country. Then you got to look hard at, at the corporate rate, just as all the countries that we're competing with have done. And that's why they've been cutting theirs. That's why the, the United Kingdom and France and Japan have all been cutting their rate while we've been staying the same or even going slightly higher. What about – what about the budget, though? And, I, and I'm a conservative. And, and listen, I, I'm with you on the, t on, the, on the rate cuts. I think, I think we ought to lower them. I, I hope that this is something President Trump's going to do because I think it would be great for our economy. But what about the budget? Because one thing I don't want, though, is, is to just cut taxes, reduce revenues, but not reduce spending and end up passing on more uh, debt to my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren than the $20 trillion that we already have. I don't want to accelerate that problem anymore. Does the president need to couple this with, with spending reform as well? Well, that, that's a fair concern, and that's something I'm sure the ad administration and the congressional leadership is going to take up. But I, I, I will admit that given the importance of economic growth, and there's just two ways of thinking about reducing the deficit. You can either reduce the deficit by 
spending less or you can reduce the deficit by growing the economy more. And as the president has said many times, the current, the growth rate that has applied to the last decade or so, which is a growth rate of one and a half or two percent, uh, is terribly inadequate for solving any problem, whether it's lower wages or reducing the budget deficit. As the president said in Springfield, Missouri last week, uh, if we could simply bump the, the growth rate up from two percent to three percent, which is, you know, not an enormous uh, increase, a substantial increase, but not out of sight at all, uh, that would add $12 trillion to the economy over the next decade, $12 trillion. So if you're worried about, as people should be, uh, spending issues and spending control, uh, I think that history shows that the best and most painless way to do that is to ex accelerate growth. That was the lesson that Ronald Reagan and Jack Kemp uh, uh, and other Newt Gingrich have applied in the past. Uh, I think it's still true today. Mr. Pinkerton, thank you for your time. Thank you. He is a uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Jim Pinkerton is a co-chair of the Rate Coalition, uh, which you can certainly find them. Uh, you search for them on Facebook. You can find them at their website too, RateCoalition.com. That's Rate as in tax rate, Coalition.com. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Call in 701-293-9000, We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Just wrapping things up. Governor Doug Burgum will be joining me tomorrow. Uh, Noel, I, I tried to book President Trump for the to, for the radio show. Yeah, I bet you almost got him too. I did almost get him. Really? It was very very close. Yeah. Um, but I guess I guess I got I got a a consolation for Doug Burgum. I guess the governor. Yeah, the governor's gonna be. It, it'll be he'll be talking to us right before I think he receives President Trump off Air Force One. Okay. So that'll be kind of cool. that will be interesting. I, I wanted the president though. How well, you got to shoot big. I mean, I don't know yeah. why you wouldn't want to shoot for the Sweet highest for the guess fences. you can get. I guess he's not doing. Uh, I don't know. They told me he's not doing any radio. I don't know. Maybe they were brushing me off. I don't know. But. Um, I tried. I got I got through to his staff, and oh well. But anyway, yeah, Governor Doug Burgum joining us tomorrow, and, and I, I like how I'm I'm bigfooting my interview with the governor now. Like, well, he's not the president, but Burgum's on tomorrow. I so. guess I can get the governor of our state on. <laughs> uh, no, it'll be great to have Governor Burgum on. Uh, email from Matt, uh, and uh, to put this in context, we were talking about Senator Heidi Heitkamp, uh, and. Uh, what body language and, and listen normally i don't go in for that kind of stuff it's all kind of dumb and drippy but uh she how she reacts to president trump's presence in the state is going to be interesting because her the democratic her, her her base hates the guy but yet most of the people who she needs to vote for her like him so that's going to be interesting uh, you know there's a question there's a former democrat uh chairman of the state democratic party who has a letter to the editor of the forum today you know basically saying uh, you know, Heidi, don't hug the man. Uh, Matt emails, hugs are inappropriate in a professional relationship unless there is also a personal friendship there. I don't know that either of them have that. I, I don't know that I've ever heard that, that hugs. And I, I, I say this as somebody who doesn't like hugs. I, I don't even particularly like being hugged by, like, relatives all, all that much. So um, I'm just a weird dude like that. But I've, I, I don't know. I've been in professional where people are hugging and stuff. I guess I didn't. 
I don't know that that's necessarily unprofessional, is it? Nolan, I, do you do you hug your coworkers, Nolan? No, I do not. Not that yeah. I, not at this job I haven't. Um, I you know I kind of I tend to agree with Matt. I, if it, unless it's there's like a deep personal relationship, yeah. like you can like I've had coworkers that I'm really really I mean, good it, friends with. It depends with, you know? on the context. I mean, yeah. if you're just hugging somebody who's randomly, you know, yeah. right. But yeah. I've had, I mean I've had coworkers that are have become close friends, and so like when you see them again, you know, you obviously give them a hug or whatever. But I, I think the president's going to go in for a hug. I, think I he's don't think put so. Heidi on the spot. Uh, I, I don't know. Go I don't think he's going to go in for one. He doesn't seem uh, like the kind of guy. I don't think I, he's really? the, he's kind of hugging guy. No, he's the he's the very. Or he'll do one of those super awkward handshakes. That's he does. exactly what I was going to say. He's one. Of, he's a handshake guy. And he's Is he? He, yeah. Oh yeah. Got some construction going on here in the studio. What the heck? If I were him, I would go. Yeah, you got to let somebody out of that cabinet. Uh, <laughs> if, if if I were. If I were, uh, I don't know. If I were, if I were the president, I would put Heidi on 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 notice. Uh, you know, and and the interesting thing is, the political dynamic there is is Trump probably needs her vote, right? Because he's gonna, they got a lot of stuff that they want to get through, and he's gonna need her vote on some things. Maybe tax reform. Maybe maybe they take up health care again. I don't know. There's a lot of time between now and election day. And he's going to need Heidi's vote. And I think one way he does that, he comes to North Dakota and he turns up the political heat on her a little bit. Because he, in North Dakota, he's very popular. And if she comes out sort of attacking him, you know, Heitkamp is very popular. uh, President Trump is very popular. Democrats are not in North Dakota. And so if Trump comes here and is able to make Heitkamp look like just another Trump-hating Democrat, that's bad for her. So she can't do that. She can't be perceived as doing that. And I think, you know, he can maybe push her vote a little further to the right, at least until Election Day, than it would be otherwise. And and, and the whole thing, again, again, I think is not a great look for Camp. just in that so much of her appeal, I, I think, to North Dakotans lays in this image she's cultivated of herself as being this very authentic, very down-to-earth person. Uh, and she's really not. And I, I don't mean that as a slight. Every politician tries to do that, Republican or Democrat or otherwise. They all try to do it. She's particularly good at it. But the thing is, is she's as calculating as the rest of them. And so, you know, she's got to she's, she's going to be making calculations. And I, I think over the next year, it's going to be more obvious than it usually is. Anyway, Jay Thomas show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. North Dakota's most popular political blog. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.